Hey everybody, welcome to the Living with Power Hope podcast. My name is Lena Abajemra. It's awesome to be back with you. It is our Thursday get together. I hope you're used to it by now. If you're new to the podcast, I'm so happy you found us. Whether somebody told you about us or you randomly fell upon this podcast, I believe all my heart that God has led you here to hear about who he is and the power of his might. We are, uh, well, right now we're doing an awesome uh, little series, Through the Desert. Basically, uh, my book, uh, a Bible study, came out recently called Through the the Desert, and uh, it's a study on God's faithfulness. And basically, I'm doing a six-week series talking about desert spaces, and those are spaces in our life that we might not want to be in, but we often find ourselves in, and they're meant for our good. And so the Bible study hits on that uh, in depth, looking at the footsteps of God from Genesis to Revelation and desert places. And here in the podcast, I'm just sort of hitting different topics just to complement stuff and get us just leaning into this topic of, of the desert. My ministry is called Living With Power Ministries. You can find us at livingwithpower.org. We have been around for a while. We write books, we meaning me and a little team that leads this ministry with me. And we are also involved in refugee works, both in the, in the Middle East, where I'm from, in Lebanon, uh, with Syrian refugees and we're also helping the Lebanese people who are facing some immense disasters, but also we do Ukrainian refugee work. So a lot going on here. Mainly our goal is to give you biblical truth for everyday life. We want to bring hope to the world and we do it by talking about Jesus. And so I hope you are here to learn more about Jesus and your faith and and, uh, how to be a Christian in this culture. And so with that in mind, let me introduce today's uh, topic. And by the way, our podcasts are fairly consistently under 20 minutes. And uh, Uh, Today, I'm going to talk about uh, uh, four habits you need in the desert of temptation. Temptation is a real part of the Christian life. You know it. I know it. I hate it. I hate it. After all these years I've been a Christian, I'm so upset that I still face temptations. I would imagine by now that I would be immune to it, but I'm not. Just like you, I face temptations, but worse than that, I fall to temptation. And then I tell myself I'm never going to do it again. And the cycle of defeat and regret and repentance and coming back and trying again, it just gets exhausting. And so I just want us to keep talking about this because the truth is to a certain degree, we're going to be in this space until heaven, but we are instructed to be perfect as he, Jesus is perfect. And I believe it's possible with the help of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus modeled it, but more than that, he died and rose again in order to give us that victory. And so Matthew 4 is the part in the book in the desert book that I wrote that uh, covers that in depth. And so uh, I hope that you're going through that. I hope you've bought the book and are going through it. It will really help your Christian walk. I really believe it. I believe we need Bible study in our life in order to draw, to get our minds fixed on the Lord and then to let our hearts move towards him. But I want to kind of hit up a little bit on Matthew 4 again here. Up to now, the topics that I've talked about in the desert discussion have not been the exact passages of scripture or, or conversation that I've had in the book. I just like to mix things up. Honestly, I'm an ER doctor. We like, that's my training, my background, so I like to mix things up. But, but, but today, I do want to talk about temptation from the angle of Matthew chapter 4. And so I won't read the entire passage, but I think if you're familiar with scripture, it's the passage where Jesus is in the wilderness and is tempted by Satan. Now, If you're not familiar with scripture, don't worry. I'll give you some highlights. And so this is the beginning of Jesus's ministry. He hasn't started um, doing his, all of the things that he did on earth for three years that eventually got him crucified um, unfairly, unjustly, by the way. And I just finished reading through the crucifixion account and I'm just amazed again by how unjust his murder was, but it was intentional. God sent his son Jesus to die for our sin, but from a human perspective, it wasn't right. And um, before that, at the beginning of the three-year ministry, Jesus is now about 30 years old, and he makes himself known. I mean, he becomes known to John the Baptist, who baptizes him. And after he gets baptized in Matthew chapter 3, it says, Behold, uh, well, first it says, uh, And when Jesus was baptized in John 
and I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. He's baptized by John. So it says, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm, I am well pleased. And I remember when Joe Stoll, the old president of Moody, who is retired now, and uh, I used to listen to him on Moody Radio, and then he became a pastor at a church where I was a women's ministry director for a while. And he taught, I remember him teaching at a conference on Matthew 4, and that was the first time that I, uh, in my adult years, I saw that connection between Matthew chapter 3, where God says to about Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then right away in chapter four, it moves into, then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So we always think of temptation as coming, you know, like I must be a bad person. I must be a D minus Christian in order to be tempted. But the very opposite is true. The temptation season comes after uh, times when G when God the Father is very pleased. And, want, you know, there's a lot, of course, again, we get into that in, in details in the in the teaching, uh, in the book. But here, I want to give you some thoughts about four habits you need in the desert of temptation. And they're modeled by Jesus here. And the, the first one kind of hits on this transition that I just gave you, and it's this. You will not overcome the desert of temptation without remembering your true identity. So we're talking about desert spaces, and today's desert is the desert of temptation, a desert that we live in regularly. I don't know what your thing is. I don't know if it's, you know, you know, it could be sex, drugs, or videotape, I mean, or, or money. I mean, it's like the big three, right? The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Like, at the end of the day, we're all humans. We all suffer, this, you know, variations of the themes. And so, you know, we might look down on some people because they struggle with this temptation. But look, the root of all temptation is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And so however that presents in your life... Um, it's there for a reason. And so we're talking about that desert today. And so it comes, when it comes to that desert, you will not overcome it. You need some habits. Here's the first habit. And I really believe this is a habit. And it is the habit of remembering your true identity. One of the ways that Jesus was able to make it through the desert for 40 days, for 40 days, he did not eat or drink. He was hungry. He was thirsty. And then Satan comes and hits him with, take the stone and make it bread. And Jesus does not succumb to it. Well, why? Because he remembered who he is. Who he is is what I just read you. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. He did not look at the temptation and say, God hates me. He did not look at the temptation and say, God has forgotten about me. He did not look at the temptation and say, God, how could you do this to me after I've been faithful to you? No, he walked in the knowledge of his true identity. You are who God says you are, not who the world says you are. You are who God says you are, not who you feel you are. When I'm in the middle of temptation, I always feel like a loser. I always feel like a failure. I always feel like a bad Christian. I even question my faith. But, but you're still God's beloved child if you've received Jesus into your heart and you've been given this access and this right to be called the child of God by believing in, in Christ and the, the price he paid for you on Calvary. And so that's the beauty of the gospel. It's, it's free. It's ours. All we need to do is receive it humbly and, and then allow God to help us to grow in our ability to be victorious against temptation. You are who God says you are, not what your desires say you are. We can often boil down our identity to our desires. This is, this is what's happening in our culture right now. 
Instead of, you know, like we, we, we identify who we like, I mean, we're seeing it play out in the sexual movement. You know, people are like, well, you know, I am what I feel I am. And so they give the, you know, they're like, you know, I feel a uh, same sex attraction to somebody else. Therefore I must be gay. Well, I don't think that's necessarily true. And again, at the risk of, of getting canceled, which I think is a real risk if we talk about these things openly, but it is what it is at the risk of getting canceled. I mean, we are not boiled down to our base, you know, desires. You know, if you're attracted to an underage person, person, you know, you can't be like, well, that's just who I am. No, you fight that. Now, again, I'm not comparing the two things. Please understand that. I'm just saying, you know, there are certain desires that we have, you know, greed, money, wants, you know, things that we don't, you know, coveting. It's all rooted in, in sinful desires that are in us that need to be crucified. And therefore, we are not what those desires define us to be. We are who God defines us to be. And so if you find yourself constantly defeated, you know, especially I think we see defeat in sexual areas. I really think that's a big area of temptation. Also in anger, which is another way of, of, of lust to present itself. Angers are trying to control situations. And I think lust to a certain degree is us trying to fulfill, you know, sort of a the lust of the flesh, when we, sexual temptation, all of these desires of the flesh, I think we, we want to take control of feeling good in the way that we want to feel it. And so anger is sort of a form of that. But however it plays out, you're not who your desires say you are. You are who um, God says you are. And so one habit is to remember your, your true identity. So as you walk through the valley of temptation, through the desert of temptation, remind yourself of your true identity, not what you feel, not what the world says you are, uh, but who God says you are. Uh, here's another uh, habit. You will not overcome the desert of temptation without a season of prayer preparation, all right? Before Jesus could face the, the devil, he had 40 days of fasting and praying. Later, he would tell the disciples, these come only by fasting and prayer when they couldn't perform miracles. And they were like, why can't we see the same results? So it's because you got to pray. And, uh, and so a habit that we need to grow in is prayer. Most Christians know we should pray. We believe in prayer. We just don't do it. I've done a ton of podcasts here on prayer. Prayer before temptation ready, readies you for the season of temptation. Prayer about temptation readies you for seasons of temptation. Don't be afraid to pray for your temptations. Pray that God protects you, opens your eyes, gives you the strength, helps you come up with a plan to fight it. Pray. Pray about it in every way. Tell God where you feel weak. Tell God you're sorry when you fail and come to him over and over again. Prayer reminds you that what you need is deeper than your perceived need. The perceived need is, oh, I need a snack, I'm hungry. Oh, I need a sexual fix because I'm, you know, whatever. That's your perceived human need. You're told in, by, by general culture, you know, by, by popular culture that, you know, sex is an urge and hunger is an urge and you need to do those, you know, you, like, and, and, and they're not. What our real need is, is deeper than just sexual fulfillment or financial satisfaction or or being the boss of everybody, or whatever it is that you value. And so what our real need is for a savior, what our real need is to be able to stand strong against the evil one that's constantly trying to confuse us as to what we really need. So number one, remember your true identity habit. Num habit number two, season of prayer and preparation. How do you do that, by the way? Just a small second here. You make time for it. You might need to journal it. It might be awkward for you to, to talk to God out loud, although I think that's a really good way to do it but journal it. Journaling gets the words out of your head into a paper, and there's something very therapeutic that happens when you do that. Or just go on a walk and talk out loud to God, but, but schedule it. Put it in your schedule and make the time for it and, and be diligent in it. And don't beat yourself up if you miss some days, but don't go forever without praying because prayer is the, it's your relationship with God. Reading the Bible and praying are the means of communion with God. 
It's not going to happen otherwise. And so if you never pray and you're like, I don't feel God's presence in my life, well, of course you're going to fail in temptation. Of course you're going to feel lonely in the wilderness. So those are things just to keep in mind. Uh, okay, habit number three. Uh, you won't overcome the desert of temptation without rightly dividing God's word. We see in Matthew chapter four, when Satan comes at Jesus and, and three different times he comes to him and says, hey, Jesus, uh, if you're the son of God, command these stones to be loaves of bread. Later he says, hey, Jesus, uh, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down for it's written, he will command his angels concerning you. By the way, he takes the word of God and twists it. And again, he says, if he, he shows them all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, he says, all these I'll give you if you will fall down and worship me. Newsflash, first of all, even the devil can take God's word and twist it. And you might have people in your life that use God's word against you. Don't fall prey to that. The habit that Jesus had wasn't just quoting verses back to the devil, but that's what he did here. Three different times, Jesus comes back, and you see it if you have a red-letter Bible. He says, it is written. Jesus says to him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. He quotes from Deuteronomy. Then he goes back, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, for, again, from Deuteronomy. And again, later he quotes Deuteronomy 6.13, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Now, Jesus had God's word in his heart, but it wasn't, you know, sometimes we think, oh, if I just memorize three verses, I'll get faced with temptation. I'll just say the verses and everything will work out. I've tried that. It doesn't work. It's more complicated than that, but it's not. It's not about quoting verses, although fine, try that. It works. Actually, if you're thinking about verses and you're not thinking about the temptation, but it's about rightly dividing the word of God. It's about understanding why God writes what he does and how it's supposed to apply to your life. It's about meditating on God's word long enough to get to the place where you actually believe it and it becomes part of who you are. There's something about rightly dividing God's word. Satan was using God's word, but Jesus was rightly dividing God's word. Everyone can quote God's word, but only the wise understand how to apply it. Everyone can know God's word, but only the obedient submit to it wholly. And it's when you obey God's word that it transforms you. And so uh, do you know God's word and are you applying it in your life? And are you using it? And is it changing you? And so that's what we aim to do here. But when we give you biblical truth for everyday life. So four habits you need in the desert of temptation. Remember your true identity. Seasons of prayer and preparation are a must. Learn to rightly divide God's word. Start doing it little by little. That's how you learn God's word. Little by little, here a little, there a little. That's from Isaiah. That's how you pick it up. Not all of a sudden, like a fire hydrant. It won't stay that way. You just got to take it in little chunks. And lastly, you will not overcome the desert of temptation without resolving to persevere. You've got to keep on keeping on. There's no other way. Perseverance is the sign of the Christian. It's the one who goes on to the end. How do you do it? Well, God keeps you. You're not doing it on your own. But perseverance rests on knowing that rescue is coming. Perseverance perseveres even when your body is tired. And perseverance is the ultimate sign of the true, of the true Christian. Uh, it's the story of, of Jesus, the parable of, of the seeds. He throws it on the ground. Some falls on hard ground. Some falls on soft ground. Some gets choked up by the weeds. At the end of the day, he, Jesus gave many parables on that. The other one where he says there's a field and there's wheat and then there's also the chaff. And he, you know, he says they're growing together. And you know, in the parable, the man says, should we remove them now? And he says, no, wait till they grow. And after they've grown, you'll be able to see the difference and remove them. And many of us go to church and live our lives with people who say they're Christians. Um, 
that doesn't mean they are. Time will tell. Time will tell if we're Christians. I went through a big crisis of faith not long ago. I wrote a book called Fractured Faith about it, and yet I'm still here. Many who have deconstructed are no longer in the faith. I don't know if they're Christians or not. That's not my business. I can tell you I am, and I know because I'm still here. I still believe. I'm still submitting to God. Does it mean I'm perfect? Far from it. I can make you a list of my sin. I can. I do it to the Lord every day. He knows my sin, but I want to be changed, and I want to trust him, and that's the sign of the Christian. It's perseverance. So my friends, are you hungry to succeed, to overcome in the desert of temptation? Well, let me ask you, do you know who you are? Are you praying? Do you know God's word? And are you willing to persevere? It will not be easy. You ever talk with a person who's run a marathon? It's not easy, but it's worth it. And I believe the same, if not more, can be said about being a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. Hey, I used to end these podcasts and say, it is an awesome thing to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe it more today than ever with all of the difficulties, with the dark seasons, with the valleys. There are some amazing hills, but mostly it's the presence of Christ in us and with us always that is our hope. If you don't know Jesus, please email me, lena at livingwithpower.org. If you know Jesus, keep on keeping on. Don't stop now. Don't stop believing God. He is so good to us. Hey, I'd love for you to buy the study. You'll be able to get in more deeper into these concepts. You can find it on livingwithpower.org. Top of the page is a picture of the book. Click on buy now. You can join us on Thursday nights. We're going through it. The videos come with the study, by the way. You can watch them on your own or you can watch them with us on Thursday nights in group. All the information you need is on our website. Hey, share this with someone you love if they're struggling in their faith or with temptations, or if you just want them to hear about Jesus. This is the easiest way to talk about Jesus. Let Point them to someone who's talking about Jesus. Listen, it is worth it. And uh, I pray that God will open our eyes to the desperate need around us and continue to spread the light of Christ uh, like crazy to those who are longing for truth and hope. Hey, I'll see you again next week. Have a great, great rest of the day. And uh, whatever you do, just uh, know that uh, you're not alone. Jesus is with you. All right, see you again next week.